This is FCB Radio, where real talk lives. Visit us online at fcbradio.com. We got them outlaws, really gotta get with them outlaws. Outlaw Radio, from the speaker to the stereo. Welcome to a special edition of the Outlaws. This is the Kingpin. Don't forget to like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Outlaws Radio. Follow us on Twitter at Outlaws Radio and on Instagram at the Outlaws Radio. And once again, this is a special episode of the Outlaws. And why is it a special episode, you ask? Well, for the full episode, we had an extended part two interview with Cleveland Mayor Frank Jackson. We were talking about the city's response as now we begin to open up uh, the economy again concerning the coronavirus and and all of the other things that come along with that. So let's jump right into that. It is part one of our interview with Cleveland Mayor Frank Jackson. So um, talk a little bit about the restart CLE plan. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, restart CLE uh, is really our attempt uh, to uh, minimize the impact and the burden that people have suffered under as a result of the uh, coronavirus and also to minimize the impact and burden that is put on small businesses. Uh, now, it's not a panacea. It's not uh, uh, the beginning of, or the end of, of everything. It is um, our way uh, of uh, doing our part again to deal with the immediacy of that burden and suffering that people and businesses, small businesses are having. So with that in mind and understanding that uh, the economy as a whole and in general is, uh, has to be driven through a true partnership with the corporate community and with uh, uh, the public sector of government. And, and we're, we have to get into that partnership to see how to position Cleveland for the future and do that in a way that we have a more equitable outcome in terms of who benefit and prospers from that economy and eliminate the disparities that are obviously existing in, in, uh, in economic growth. As, as we as we move forward, so with that, the details of our plan is that we have about ten million dollars that we put into um, uh, three separate programs to help small businesses. The the one is um, one where we have a ten thousand dollar loan where the payments are deferred until. January next year, and this is really to help uh, small businesses who have uh, not been able to have a business during this time to cover their overhead, like for rent or um, or um, utilities, those kinds of things that uh, allows them to at least have uh, a place to be. Uh, then there's a, another program that we have that is focused on um, 
money is used basically to, uh, I think there's up to $100,000 for businesses, a hundred uh, for 30 and above, and uh, $25,000 for businesses that are below 30 employees. And it helps them, uh, it's like having a line of credit, it helps them with cash flow to, again, for utility costs or or for uh, or for uh, uh, rent or lease payments, those kind of things, uh, and it's tied to that business being able to uh, bring back, either retain their employment at pre-coronavirus level, or bring back employment at uh, uh, at uh, pre-coronavirus level, and if that is done then there's a way in which a portion of that of that loan can turn into a grant. The third program is a, is one that is specifically designed for those businesses that were pretty much ordered to close, like a barbershop, beautician shops, uh, uh, some storefronts, uh, restaurants, places like that. And um, and that's a twenty up to twenty thousand dollar loan. And, uh, and again, uh, focusing on them uh, bringing back employees, but allowing for up to 50% of that loan, up to, uh, up to $10,000 of that loan to be forgiven or turn into a grant if they are using it to purchase um, uh, protective equipment that they must purchase. Give example, I've heard from uh, barbershops and beautician shops that... Um, that they have to have ventilators uh, as part of of uh, their operation. I guess that should be part of the operation anyway, but it's even going to be more important now uh, if, if they are allowed to reopen to have a ventilator. Well, that's uh, some thousands of dollars to mm-hmm. do that. Well, this would help cover that cost. And I imagine that um, I talked to one barber who said that if they're using gloves and the gloves, uh, and they go through three boxes a day, depending on, you know, number of barbers they have, um, what used to cost them, uh, $7 now cost them $20 per box. Mm-hmm. Same thing with hand sanitizer. So there's a tremendous increase in cost just to open back up. Uh, and you know, these businesses, uh, have, uh, businesses have scaled down because they don't have the revenue coming in because they don't have customers or they've been ordered closed and they have no customers. Mm-hmm. Well, in order, for, in, in order for them to get back in business, they got to ramp up and their cost is going to ramp up and now they have additional uh, requirements, which means their costs will be more, but they can't have the same level of customers because of the order on social distancing. Mm-hmm. So that means their revenues are going to come in uh, lower than they would be in the in the past, but their cost is going to be higher than it would be in the past. So it's it's a challenge. So we want to help underwrite that challenge for them and help them go into business. Now that's now when let's switch to the social service side and people. As you know, many people have lost their jobs as a result of the coronavirus. So many people are unable to pay their rent. Mm-hmm. And what happens with this is we're putting money 
into a program that will help them for a three month period to pay their rent until or until such time as they get unemployment insurance or uh, they get hired back. Uh, now that does two things that helps uh, uh, them in terms of not being evicted, uh, but it also helps that small landlord who is dependent on the revenue coming from the rent, but he can't evict the people because of a moratorium, right? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so he has no revenue either. He or she has no revenue. So it helps the small business, and it also relieves the burden on the renter and the utility bills and and and, uh, and, and things like that. The other, another um, program we around people and and. Uh, Social service. Uh, there's a, uh, food pantries are uh, being the demand on food pantries have doubled, it tripled, quadrupled in some cases, and so we're allowing for monies to go to agencies that uh, deal with food um, uh, pantries, uh, the delivery of food, those kinds of things that are essential for people who may be quarantined or may be elderly, can't get out to the delivery, or families who just don't have the income to buy food. And so we're, uh, we're going to be putting money into that and leveraging that money that will give a dollar for every uh, dollar or two dollars, the details will come out that this agency raises, then we will, we will match that in some portion. And then there's uh, the homeless service and people with HIV AIDS trying to uh, uh, detensify homeless shelters and spread people out more to create social distancing and to um, uh, uh, help those who have uh, impacted immune systems through HIV AIDS, help them in, in terms of being able to weather this because they will be at risk because they're the vulnerable ones also. So uh, it, it, so all in total is around $30 million and it's attempting again to relieve the burden and, and the suffering of people and small businesses to help better position them for recovery. And as we look at uh, Cleveland in the future, as to what this uh, new Cleveland would be post the pandemic. All right, we're talking with Cleveland Mayor Frank Jackson, and on that particular topic, um, there's been some concern from uh, from people in the Cleveland community that this everything that we've been through with the coronavirus and all of that could possibly reverse some of the amazing gains that the city has made in these last few years and, and the positive direction that the city has been going in. Do you think that the Restart CLE initiative is something, I know you said it wasn't necessarily a panacea, but do you think that it's something that can that can help make sure that this doesn't become a larger issue for the city and that it doesn't reverse all of the gains that we've made? Well, you know, we're living in a, we don't have a new reality. It's just that simple and, and that reality um, uh, based on the pandemic and, and, and the effects of that pandemic on 
on businesses and, and individuals and families and the communities as a whole, uh, it, that reality is going to be completely different than what it was in the past where we were pleased with the progress of Cleveland. Now, how that looks, that new reality looks going forward is part of what we have to determine. And, 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 and for me, uh, if it, it, it does not have in it equitable outcomes for all people in terms of sharing the prosperity and quality of life. And if it doesn't eliminate the disparities that have become so obvious in terms of who, who, uh, who's the first in and, and, and um, who's the last in and first out, who's being affected disproportionately in terms of health, uh, you know, all these kinds of things, those, those um, disparities will have to be eliminated if we're going to return to uh, a prosperity that we have become accustomed to or or feeling good about Cleveland in the way that we've become accustomed to. Now, the $30 million in, in, in jump-starting Cleveland is, again, uh, this is primarily designed to deal with the immediacy of the suffering and the burden of people in small businesses at this time so that they can be uh, at least have an opportunity to be in a recovery mode but overall um, the overall economy and the overall way in which our economic and social system work has to change and and I don't uh, and I don't see uh, that change uh, uh, happening to the benefit of everybody if we do not address the underlying issues of disparities and inequities. And it's playing itself out mm-hmm. in terms of who, who, who gets shut down and, 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 and who can recover from that shutdown on the stimulus dollars, who, get, who had access to those stimulus dollars, who wound up with the money, you see? All these things, who is getting sick disproportionately, who's dying disproportionately. So even though we had that economy and things were going good and Cleveland was on the swing, on upswing, and people were feeling good about it, inherent in that was still built in inequities and disparities. Mm-hmm. And what I'm saying, that any future that does not eliminate inequities and eliminate disparities will result in the same thing in the future for the same people because it won't be fair. Mm-hmm. More with Cleveland Mayor Frank Jackson when we come back here on The Outlaws. The Outlaws Radio Show on iHeartRadio and the FCB Radio Network. Yo, 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 what's poppin', what's poppin'? It is your friendly neighborhood Simba, Aaron Malik, here to remind you guys to go stream my new single, Tempo, on all streaming platforms. Yes, all of them. YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, Pandora, all that. I greatly appreciate it. Love you guys. We rock, we roll, we ride to the tempo. The dance floor where we come alive. Let loose through your limbs, how you feel inside. Mama, take my hand, show me the best you can. This is the Outlaws Radio Show.
Welcome back to the Outlaws. This is the Kingpin. Don't forget to like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Outlaws Radio. Follow us on Twitter at Outlaws Radio and on Instagram at the Outlaws Radio. Now we're going to get back into our interview with Cleveland Mayor Frank Jackson. We're talking with Cleveland Mayor Frank Jackson, and uh, we'll stick on stay on the future for a little bit. What do you, in, in your mind, obviously we're still, the coronavirus hasn't gone away. We're still going right. to be, we're still going to be dealing with it. Um, what does the future of the city look like for you in this new, in this new environment, this new world that we're in? In your view, uh, what does that new Cleveland look like? Well, that's to be defined. That's the, that's the, you know, in every, uh, every, all hard times bring opportunities. Mm-hmm. And, and it's because uh, new norms are swept off and you, you can have opportunity to establish new norms. But that future, uh, for me, is just what I described, a future where everyone is, a, is able to participate in the quality of life and prosperity that, that is, is there and that is being created. Now, how that is shaped really is, 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 is the debate that's going on now. And, and if people are watching this like they're looking at TV and they've disengaged in it and they're not speaking on behalf of their own self-interest in regards to this, they're going to be left out. And, and when that new future arrives, however it looks, if, they don't, if people don't put their agenda on the table and fight for the agenda, they're going to be left out. They're going to be worse off than they are now. Mm-hmm. So I see a Cleveland that has an opportunity to be a model as to how do we have an economic and social system that all benefit from it and that, and, that, and that can withstand the type of downturn and the type of impacts that a coronavirus would have on it and be able to survive that, sustain itself, and recovery from it in a quick way. And the only way I can see that happen, if we invest in our own economy, if corporate dollars, the billions of dollars, I'm talking about literally billions of dollars that are used to procure goods and services uh, and, 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 and uh, if that's plowed into our own local economy to support small and medium-sized businesses, to keep people employed, and, and, and to create a, 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 a tax base where government can function uh, and not be in a deficit, provide quality services, all those things, all of that is how I see Cleveland uh, 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 being able not only to survive this, but to survive this and be better off as a result of it. Now, again, that is the division. It's all, you know, it's all in the work, right? Mm-hmm. It's in the work. Mm-hmm. Because every, every uh, the only good plan you've got is the one that is uh, happening. Everything else is just a good conversation. Mm-hmm. And so to be in the mode of doing this, and that's why people who see themselves now being affected by this, they said, man, I come, I'm disproportionately affected by this. You have to bring that concern to the table now. And because if you don't, uh, 
you're going to be disproportionately affected by the, the, the next round of whatever happens. Mm-hmm. So that's where I see Cleveland going. That's where Cleveland should be. Now it's putting in the work to get it there. Absolutely. And uh, you mentioned something that I, th- I think was very interesting, and you were talking about the the billions of dollars in, in procurement dollars, and I kind of wanted to, to dig in a little bit more on that. Obviously, Cleveland has, you know, several you know, major companies and big institutions and stuff like that. For our listeners that may not know, that may have heard that and it might have uh, triggered their interest, but they don't know exactly what that means. What are you referring to when you talk about that and 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 how can those dollars be spent locally? How can that positively impact the economy? Let's, let's look at it this way. Let, let's take, uh, you know, we are very prominent in the world in terms of our medical industry. So yes. let's just take that industry. We're not doing manufacturing or or, or, or service delivery. Let's just take uh, uh, healthcare, and, and and let's take uh, uh, let's just take one institution like Cleveland Clinic or University Hospital, Metro Health. You know, just take one of them. Any of them at any given year will procure meaning that they're purchasing goods and services. They're procuring goods and services just to function. Just to function. They, just to run their organization, run their institution. They have to buy materials, goods, and they have to purchase services in order to run the organization. Well, you take one hospital, that's billions of dollars. I didn't say millions. That's billions of dollars, mm. whether it's in laundry service, whether it's in, in IT service, mm. whether it's in record keeping, you know, all of the administrative side, whether it's in a construction uh, and, and, uh, or whether it's in toilet paper or mask uh, uh, or gowns for the nurses and doctors, wow. whether it's for, you know, you know, you, you, what, do you, what does it take to run a hospital, right? Mm. It's just like what it takes for you to run your household. When you itemize those things, that's a lot of stuff. Right. And you wind up saying, well, this is how much I spend. This is what it costs me just to run the household. I got to pay my debt. If they borrowed money to build a, 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 a garage or bar, you know, if they pay that debt, you know, they have to put, you know, and, and so all these, it costs you a lot of money. So if you took, portion of that money and you said well I'm going to buy these goods and materials I need and I'm going to purchase this type of service I need and I'm going to buy and purchase these goods and services from a local company I'm not going to contract with a conglomerate that may be out in Texas or New York or California or may even be in India or China somewhere. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to buy all of this stuff from uh, uh, local companies and they will then produce the goods, the materials, and deliver the service. And when they do that and they get a contract, and let's say, for instance, for this one item, I spend $500 million. Let's say $500 million or $400 million we're spending for this one item, whatever that item is. 
if I'm able to take half of that and spend it in our local economy, that means that that's $200 million or $250 million being spent with local companies who have to provide those goods and services, which means that they have to hire people to do that. Mm-hmm. You see? Mm-hmm. And, and so it's, it's like buying, buying from yourself mm-hmm. and, and, and allowing that money then that person who then is the uh, 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 employer, that person, in order to produce that product or deliver that service, they have to buy uh, goods and materials. They have to purchase services just so that they can function to provide what they've been contracted to provide, right? Mm-hmm. So that means that, it, it, that money then is spent Another with a local company, that one that one dollar now is now been spent twice in our own economy, and when that's spent twice in, a, in our own economy, that other company that had that uh, the the prime company had to contract with in order to get goods and services for itself, they have to hire people. So that means that then the employees you have people being people are working, local people who are working in these various areas. Mm-hmm. So that's just one, one, one example. That's the, uh, the it's, 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 um, it's how an economy works. If, and in, 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 if you invest in your own self, you buy goods and services from yourself, you then take that money. And when you are buying it from yourself, then you have to do some stuff in order to deliver that, those goods and services, so that means you have to buy from somebody else. Mm-hmm. And you buy that locally. And the money turns around four, five, six times, and that creates wealth in a local economy. And so when hard times come, that type of economy is able to withstand those hard times better because it is it is supporting itself. But if that million contract went to somebody in China, what good is that going to do anybody here in Cleveland Mm -hmm. or in the Cleveland region? Mm -hmm. Is that more explanatory? Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. And it's very interesting, too, because now we see that we're having this conversation on the national level as well, particularly concerning China and how a lot of the life-sustaining things that we need are being manufactured overseas. And we saw in the middle of this coronavirus situation how that may not always be the best idea because when we need it and they need it and they make it, they'll keep it. So... Uh, and whenever, whenever you're dependent on others to be able to uh, uh, sustain your lifestyle or your quality of life, Mm-hmm. Or, or, or you depend on others as to whether or not uh, uh, you uh, uh, can do well or not, then you're at the mercy. Mm-hmm. And, and, and what I'm saying is that we should be dependent on ourselves mm-hmm. as a Cleveland economy. And when you do that, the key here, the key here is how do you ensure that there's equity and a lack of disparity in that procurement process 
of goods and services so that everyone prospers. So you look, these people over here, this group over here, let's be honest, black people, is left out. Mm-hmm. Because they're not engaged in the business side. They're just in the employment side. So how do you create wealth if you're not able to give somebody a job? So, so the, the key is how do you create equity? Not only do you invest in your own economy and you purchase goods and services within your own economy, you have to ensure that in the purchase of those goods and services, there's equity and that there's no disparity based on race mm-hmm. or ethnicity or gender. Now, 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 you know, the, the thing to this is, uh, I would imagine people say, well, that makes sense. But, but at the end of the day, if you put in factors that people have agendas that are self-serving and they use the issue of race and class and ethnicity, as uh, and, 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 and institutionalize those things so that those groups become groups that are disadvantaged or don't receive equity, and there's great disparity in that, then you can see that group will never prosper, mm-hmm. even though the overall economy prospers. Mm-hmm. But if you have the equity, then everyone prospers. Absolutely. More to come here on The Outlaws. The Outlaws Radio Show on iHeartRadio and the FCB Radio Network. Hi, I'm Dr. Amy Acton, Director of the Ohio Department of Health. To prevent coronavirus spread, wash your hands often, cough or sneeze into your sleeve, don't touch your face, and do stay home if you're sick. This is The Outlaws Radio Show. Welcome back to The Outlaws. This is The Kingpin. Don't forget to like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash The Outlaws Radio. Follow us on Twitter at Outlaws Radio and on Instagram at The Outlaws Radio. And now it is a continuation of our interview with Cleveland Mayor Frank Jackson. Uh, we're talking with Cleveland Mayor Frank Jackson. I got a couple couple more questions for you. Um, obviously, as I mentioned earlier, you know we're still going to be dealing with the coronavirus. And uh, there are some people that are thinking that because we're starting to open things up, that it may be that that means it's okay to take our foot off the gas and not still make our preparations and stuff like that. Um, talk about what you think people should still be doing uh, in this, even as we uh, open up. Well, we should be doubling down on the health side. We should double down on because, uh, as I said, when. Uh, Governor DeWine in the state of Ohio is taking a, 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 a reasonable approach to this, a, a really a thoughtful approach to this, but even they are under a lot of pressure to get this thing open quickly by those who you know unemployed, those businesses that are going under, losing profit. So there's a lot of pressure on that side. But once, you, once we move in that direction, you're going to create social contact. In some form or fashion, even if you put restrictions in the restaurants and say people gather sit a certain distance, 
people have to have masks when they're going into stores. You're still going to create some kind, you're going to create uh, contact, which means that the likelihood of the virus spreading will greatly increase, which means fatalities will increase among those who are vulnerable. So now is the time we need to double down on the health side and fully understand just because they're taking these measures to gradually open up uh, the economy and some social contact doesn't mean this is over with. They have no clue as to whether or not this thing has reached its peak or not, I'm mm-hmm. telling you, because there is no universal testing where everybody's been tested and we know who's asymptomatic and no symptoms, who, who has it, but they can recover and they can stay at home or, mm-hmm. or they have it, but they have to be hospital. They don't, there's no clue as to the magnitude of this virus. There's no clue to it. And the only thing that we know and the health people will say is that the more people come in contact with it, the more people going to get infected, the more people going to die. Mm-hmm. And that's why you had the separation and the stay at home. So as they gradually open, you're going to have more contact, which means it's going to go up. Now, the other thing to this, if you look at who's the most impacted and affected, even with all the restrictions in place, it is minorities particularly African-Americans, disproportionately are infected and disproportionately are dying. So that means that if we don't double down on and, 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 and on the prevention side and the education side, then what's going to happen is that disproportional share of the negative will get even greater. Mm-hmm. Because our social structure is that we have extended families. So if we, if even though a young person uh, will probably recover unless they have an underlying illness like asthma or, or dialysis or chemotherapy, you know, something like that. But when they go home, we go home to grandmothers mm-hmm. and older parents, and they will probably have these underlying illnesses which means that even though we'll be okay and we'll recover, we will infect them and they're going to die. Mm-hmm. So so just because the economy is uh, they're gradually opening this in a responsible way in Ohio, it does not mean that it's over with. As a matter of fact, now is the time to double down because we do not fully understand the magnitude as to who is really infected and not or not, and there is no vaccine that you can take that would make you uh, safe to walk around in a a public setting where you're coming in close contact with people. There's no vaccine, and there's no full understanding of who's infected and who is not. And and a third dimension to that, uh, they don't really understand completely the character and nature of the virus because what I always try to tell people, the virus is a living creature. It's not a thing. It's a living creature. And just like all living creatures, their goal is to survive. Mm-hmm. And they cannot survive outside of a host. If they're not inside of a host, which is a human, 
then they're going to die within a day or two. So what they do is they constantly look for a host to get inside. And that's us. Mm-hmm. And when they get in there, if you have some underlying chronic illness, your body can't deal with it because now there's a war that will go on inside your body between this virus and your immune system. And if you're older and you got a weaker immune system and you got some chronic illness that your body is trying to deal with now, now they got to deal with another invader. You got a problem. You're going to die. So this is this is not uh, this is not uh, uh, indication that this is over with. This is an indication that, that the, the economy is in such dire straits that they're moving in that direction to try to get the economy back together in terms of getting people back to work, in terms of profit for companies and companies not going out of business. It, this has nothing to do about whether or not. It is safe to move around, and, and, and whether or not uh, uh, people won't catch this virus, people are gonna catch the virus, and people are gonna die. If we don't double down on the prevention and education, that will be even greater than it is now. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, we're talking with Cleveland Mayor Frank Jackson, and two more questions for you. One um, earlier uh, in in the show, you had mentioned about how uh, if people don't speak up and stand up as far as when this, as the new economy is being built, that the disparities can be exacerbated. So what, what can we do? What can we do as the public? What would be helpful for a public policy person like yourself that is out there uh, helping and pushing to, to make things more equitable? What can, what can us as the public do? Well, two things. Let me do it in generality, and not come specific. First of all, uh, we should not be caught up in somebody got a good conversation. Because people can have a good conversation and talk, talk, man, they talk so, they talk so smooth about anything. <laughs> and then, and you see, and we give them an amen, and then they turn around, don't bust the grape, do nothing. <laughs> All right? And that don't work. So we have to, we have to, we have to hold people accountable. I'm talking about mayors, council people, County executives, governors, state reps, congressional people, business people, because people usually look at government to solve their problem. The government will do what it does. The government cannot solve it. Government can only do its part. You have to then move into the private sector and, and, and demand certain things that occur. That's why I outline what I believe to be uh, a, a, an economy of the future that has uh, inequities and disparities eliminated. We should be demanding that stuff. And we should completely understand that if we're looking for an advocate for us, that some people have a good conversation and advocacy, but, but they're not going to do anything to make it happen because they are part of the problem too. They just talk good. Mm-hmm. And now the other part of that is that if we believe that the system or institutions or organizations going to do right by us because it's the right thing to do, we foolish. It ain't going to happen. It will only happen if we make it. So the question that we're, and that's the overall context. That's the overall context. But what is the method of doing that? How do we engage to do that? 
I believe that we should become more entrepreneurial about what we're doing. We should be looking at not just being an employee. We should be looking at owning the ability to give a job, meaning that we are providing a good or a service, whatever that may be. And if you don't always need a, 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 a college degree for that, there are basic things uh, from, uh, I've seen people all the time uh, that are in uh, um, landscaping and lawn care, and they have customers. I see people who go around with vehicles and, and, and they wash cars. You see, I see uh, people who are, uh, uh, have uh, little stores and they sell uh, you know, whatever they sell in their stores. There are people who uh, uh, who have barbershops, beautician shops, all these other kinds of things. These are small businesses, just individuals going out and doing things, but they have a business mind, and as a result of that, they are able to employ people, and, and, and also they have uh, people look at them differently from a business perspective. Because now they have the ability to kind of speak to a crowd that they couldn't speak to if they're only talking about, I don't have a job. Mm-hmm. If all you talk about, I don't have a job, then, you know, but if you're saying, look, I need the ability to access uh, uh, the contracts to provide goods and services, and I need it to be done in an equitable way and, 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 and not be done in a racist or way. And, 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 and if I had that ability, then I could give this person over here a job. So we have to take that. Then we have to have people who have particular skills. They have had gotten certain degrees. They have certain kind of credentialing. Um, those people should be not just looking at what I'm able to access employment, I'm able to access a, a career, I'm able to do this, so I'm okay. And don't and so because they feel they okay, then uh well, you know, they should do like I do, get, a, get go to college and get an education and, and, and then they can have the same thing. I, it, it doesn't work like that, right? Mm-hmm. It don't work like that. You, we oh we have an obligation because you know what? There was a time you could go to college. There was a time you could
I got it because other people did things to ensure that I could do these kind of things. So I know that's a bigger kind of stuff, but but if people have that kind of mindset, they would not tolerate somebody running a game on them. Absolutely. Somebody, uh, they would tolerate a system telling them, well, you just had to wait, give me a little bit more time because we ain't ready right now. Mm-hmm. They would tolerate that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So it's attitude. you got to have the attitude. Now, and I'm going to tell you this. Things I like about a pit bull is that that uh, they can be the most gentle, sweetest little animals, <laughs> dogs you can have, or they can be the most vicious thing in the world. Mm-hmm. It's all about how you, uh, what they got to do at that particular time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, and so I don't have a problem with a pit bull. <laughs> you know what I'm you got to do what you got to do. Absolutely. In order to do, and, 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 and if you ain't going to do it for your for yourself and your own, and if you expected someone else to do it, then whatever they do will only be through charity. And they will not do it in a way that will cause you to be equal or yours to be equal with theirs. Absolutely. All attitude. It's all attitude, man. You got you got you know, I apologize for this, but I, um, the street, the street, what's happening on the street happens at all levels of society in terms of the corporate headquarters and, 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 and the highest level of government. Mm-hmm. The only difference is that on the streets you go to penitentiary for certain <laughs> things where you highest level of government, you either become wealthy or, or powerful mm-hmm. because the rules change mm-hmm. and the laws are different. And, and it's all in how you play the game and you play it by certain rules then, and, and, and under certain laws, then that same thing becomes a benefit to you. But if you're trying to do it and you're not following the rules and you violate the law, you're going, you're going to penitentiary. Mm-hmm. Right? But it's the same game. It's all the same game. And if the street, if the streets ever, was, ever got focused on the goals and objectives in a way that I described with the right attitude for the betterment and the uplifting of, there's nothing that the system can do to prevent it. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it's funny when you're talking about, you know, knowing the game. It sounds like uh, my, my mentor, the, Ray, the late uh, Reverend John Riley, used to say that all the time. You got to know the game. You got to know the game. And you got to know the rules of the game. Mm-hmm. Because you go pay attention for something else and make something less rich. <laughs> right. Exactly. The conclusion of our interview with Cleveland Mayor Frank Jackson will be come back here on The Outlaws. The Outlaws Radio Show on iHeartRadio and the FCB Radio Network. Yo, what's up? Bring the noise right here. Chuck D, Public Enemy number one. You are tuning in the Outlaws Radio Show. 
Welcome back to the Outlaws. This is the Kingpin. Don't forget to like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Outlaws Radio. Follow us on Twitter at Outlaws Radio and on Instagram at the Outlaws Radio. Now the conclusion of our interview with Cleveland Mayor Frank Jackson. We're talking with Cleveland Mayor Frank Jackson. And my last question is on a, on a, on a different topic, uh, but I would love to, to get your, your, your view on it. And it's the, the census. I was very concerned when I saw... Uh, the the responses to the census not being as high as I would like them to be. Now, I know why it's important, but I think it would be uh, even more impactful to hear from the mayor as to why it's important that people respond to the census. Uh, I had a call with um, the secretary. I think, is, I think Congress kind of controls the census. So there was um, the, the person in D.C. who works in that that uh, uh, that uh, uh, department that governs the census. Uh, I actually had a call with them yesterday, and they were concerned by Cleveland because I guess during the initial mailing at this point uh, nationally, it was like fifty-seven percent response, and then they were going to put the people on the street, you know, knock on doors, and they were going to try to deal with that forty-three uh, percent. Cleveland, they said, is response to the census has only been like 43% or 44%, 45%. So we are way under what the national response to the census is. And, 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 and so, so there's a serious concern that we have uh, in regards to that uh, uh, because if we lose out in terms of not counting everyone, I know people like to tie it to dollars. We will lose some dollars because they, you know, they look at your demographics and you know, make up your population, the number of people there, there, and then they have these formulas that come out of Washington and that, that really uh, determines how much money you get, whether it's in block rent money or transfer this or that or whatever dollars they're giving out. Is, is, they use a formula and population and, and size and the demographics of that population in terms of race, ethnicity, gender, and all that. All that plays a role in how much money you get. But just as important, and in some cases more important, is that our representation in Congress is based on population. You get a state like California with a large population, they may have 50 or so uh, 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 people representing them in Congress. Ohio's representation in Congress is less than 20. I think it's around 16 or something like that. Mm -hmm. That's because of the population. And if you have in a city or urban center, if everyone is counted, then you can have a representative who represents that urban center and that urban district in Washington, D.C. Whereas right now, uh, because of this uh, uh, population count, we have a congressperson, uh, Congresswoman Captor, who is from Toledo, representing the west side of the city of Cleveland. And then we have Congresswoman Fudge, 
basically representing pretty much the east side of Cleveland, but she has, goes all the way down to Summit County now. Mm-hmm. Why? Because it's based on population. Now, how, why is the other thing about why is it important, not only in terms of number of representation, representatives you have, when people vote for the president, they have the popular vote and they have the electoral college vote. The electoral college vote is based on how many representatives you have. So a state like New York or California or Texas, that, like I say, may have uh, 40 or 50 uh, Congress people, they'll have that number of electoral college votes. What Ohio will have a small number, like I say, 16. Well, why is that important? Because the president is not picked by the popular vote. The president of the United States is picked by electoral college vote. And they have to get at least 270 electoral college votes in order to be president. Well, in Ohio, it's winner take all. So if a Republican wins in Ohio, then that means they get all 16 of our votes. A Democrat wins California, they get the fifth. They win New York, they get whatever they got. So not only is it important in terms of financial side, it's important in terms of the number of people we have in Congress who then sets the laws, sets the policies, that helps us, and it also impacts the number of electoral college votes that we that is really the vote that winds up elected the president after the after the popular vote is taken. Mm-hmm. So it's a big deal. It's a big deal. Right. Right. Absolutely. Then, but but it's intrusive. Mm-hmm. And people you know, people don't like you, you know, you know, people don't like people in their business. It's <laughs> <laughs> just that simple. You know, what's what you want to know for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it's important. You have to do it. You have to do it. You have to do it. Absolutely. And, and I have a conversation today when I'm, when I'm finished with your program uh, with a person in Cleveland who works in my administration who is part of the group that is responsible for the census in Cleveland. So my question to that person will be, why are we at 44 percent in the nation that 57 percent why what 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 are you not doing or what you should you be doing you know why and so i'm having that conversation right after i finish talking to you mm-hmm. absolutely all right thank you so much mayor uh for spending time with us sharing your thoughts and, and giving us a lot of uh insight on to the things that's going on and and where we go from here. Thank you so much. It's always an honor. Sir. Well, I thank you. Yeah, you know, I want you. I want to say to you again. I appreciate you uh, giving me this platform to speak from, and I also appreciate you because you reach uh, people who would not be reached but for your platform, and and you allow people to hear and to have conversations about stuff that they get through a traditional way, a traditional radio or traditional uh, print, uh, you know, TV. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and you, you allow the time to 
natural and more accurate and more honest than the traditional media that is dependent on large you know, ratings and, and, and profits and things like that that doesn't necessarily serve getting accurate uh, and honest uh, information and portrayal of things to the people. So I want to tell you how much I appreciate what you're doing because you, to me, are part of that effort to ensure a more equitable uh, outcome for, for all of, of Clevelanders uh, because you have to provide that, that, uh, that tool to create uh, opinion and create momentum that, uh, that they wouldn't get anywhere else. So I want to tell you how much I appreciate that. Well, thank you so much, sir. Uh, I definitely appreciate that. We all appreciate that. It's, it's definitely an honor. And we love this great city, so anything that we can do for this great city, we definitely uh, want to do that. All right, once again, thank you to Cleveland Mayor Frank Jackson for spending some time with us. We greatly appreciate it. Uh, we absolutely appreciate him being generous with his time and, uh, and of course, all of the, the positive things that he had to say about the show and this network. So thank you so much for that, Mayor. All right, we are out of here. We will see you next week. Stay safe. Peace. The FCB Radio Network. First class broadcasting worldwide.